LA is vast, vibrant, simultaneously stunning as well as challenging and confusing. At Together LA, this city is our passion. We know that loving LA well starts with listening. Pounding the pavement in search of the individuals invested in the flourishing of Los Angeles. These are the inspiring stories and real-life interviews with the men and women who work to bring the gospel to LA in their unique ways. Thanks for joining us as we bring you closer to the heart of LA, one story, one voice, and one neighborhood at a time. This is the Together LA Listening Tour. Well, welcome again to another episode of the Listening Tour Together LA's podcast. And so today I am with a new friend, Steve Yu. Steve, where are you today as we're talking? Hey, Tommy. Yeah, I'm, uh, I am I live in Covina. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I live in Covina. I, I was born and raised here. I, uh, I currently work with LA County Department of Health Services uh, with their homeless services arm. I also run a nonprofit called Mentor for Change. Um, and I believe I'm here because of the Faith Collaborative to End Homelessness, the Faith Summit that we're hosting. Yeah, I love to talk with you a little bit more about that, get some more information. But with your journey, how I noticed the word MDiv right next to you in terms of your title. Did you? How did you get to what you're doing right now with homelessness? And did you want to be a pastor? And where was the journey with that, Steve? Yeah, that that's uh, that's a great question. So, um, again, I, I I grew up in LA. And my grandfather was a pastor in Korea. He uh, immigrated to Monterey Park, planted a church uh, off of Atlantic. Uh, my grand, my my father was a pastor, and uh, although I, I grew up like in a Christian household, surrounded by pastors, missionaries, uh, ministers, um, for me, I, I just felt conflicted in my faith. Uh, but when I did come to uh, have a relationship with Christ, I. I the only way I knew how to be a Christian was to become a pastor because that's what I saw growing up. Yeah. And so after I graduated from the University of Southern California, I went to Uganda um, for about a year and I served with a faith based organization and also helped what, uh, with the microfinance institution. Yeah. Uh, and that is where I uh, felt that I got my calling uh, yeah. in ministry. Hey, random question. USC, what was your major at USC? International relations. International. Okay, got it. Got it. And yep. what made you decide to go to Uganda? Was it, uh, you, you thought you were going to just live there or was it for a temporary period of time? Yeah, you know, I, it, it was during that, right when I was around 24 that I came back to church. Uh, I had a very colorful past before. I was uh, in and out of juvenile, the juvenile hall uh, jail system. Uh, I, I was institutionalized, um, but it was through mentors that really changed the tra trajectory of my life. Uh, and so some of those mentors being from the church uh, that I was attending, uh, which is called Youngnak, yeah. um, uh, a lot of them were former missionaries. And so during that time, I, I just felt this, I felt compelled uh, to do uh, an extended short-term mission trip rather than just two weeks. Yeah. And so I quit my job at the bank. Uh, went to Uganda, and um, when I came back, I, I applied to go to Fuller. Very, very good. And you mentioned a lot of times it was at Uganda that you got your calling. How did that come about? Yeah, that's a deep question. You want me to go there? I would love <laughs> to hear that. Yes, I would love to. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, um, 
I had some deep father wounds and uh, just in my time there being separated from just all the noise of society, yeah. uh, it opened my heart and my ears to, to what God was saying. And during that time of solitude, it really brought about deep healing uh, just in my soul. And that was when I experienced just God's transformation um, yeah. happening deep in my heart. And so I, I wanted to be able to extend that uh, to uh, other people who were also hurting. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I came to, you know, came back to L.A., um, applied to Fuller and then started serving at uh, Young Nuck uh, as it's a wanna pastor. And uh, a, a week into my uh, service with uh, Awana, uh, one of the elders came up to me and, and told me there's this outreach ministry uh, called Cross Trainers uh, that I'd like you to get involved with. So I went, it happened on uh, Wednesdays. And the moment I stepped into that setting, I, I knew why God called mm -hmm. me to be a pastor at Young Nuck. Um, it was to, uh, to minister to the local youth in Lincoln Heights and Highland Park. And, and so uh, from 2008 to 2015, I was uh, uh, the Awana and Cross Trainers pastor. And it was during that time, uh, particularly while I was doing the outreach ministry uh, to the underserved youth in, in the community, uh, that we launched our nonprofit called Mentor for Change to provide a, a more holistic approach to our right. ministry. Got it. And with that organization, is it still under Young Knock or have you guys completely separated and you're a standalone organization now? Yeah, we, we set up a 501c3 uh, in 2014. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and so we've been operating since 2013, got our 501c3 in 2014. And we're so we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year. Very, very good. And yeah. so is it still the same vision working with a lot of times youth within uh, uh, within that neighborhood? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we originally we focused on Lincoln Heights and Highland Park. Yeah. But as our uh, geography expanded uh, to uh, El Sereno, uh, Boyle Heights, um, South L.A., we just partnered with uh, L.A.'s Union Rescue Mission. And so this year we're launching our first cohort specifically for teens experiencing homelessness. Mm. Uh, and so that launched in February a couple weeks ago. Um, and uh, we're launching our high school cohort uh, for our East LA, Northeast LA residents in, in March. And Steve, just so I understand, these are students whose parents just don't have a place to live because of financial reasons they can't afford it. And so they may be living in different places, homes, cars and on. Is that where I'm, is that the group that you're working with? Yeah, the teens that we're working with that are experiencing homelessness, they're either at uh, U uh, Union Rescue Mission's uh, Skid Row location really? or uh, South LA location, uh, which is called Angeles House. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But with our regular high school cohort, uh, they're just uh, first generation low income youth yeah. from the communities of Lincoln Heights, Highland Park, El Sereno, uh, Boyle Heights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And within this cohort, I'm sure the topics are unique. The things that you're talking with them, what are some of those topics that you guys are talking about during that time in this cohort? Yeah. So the first uh, eight months of the program, it's uh, so we match them with mentors uh, specifically that are living out their career aspirations. So if a kid wants to be a doctor, we'll go out and find a doctor to mentor this kid. 
if a kid wants to be a physician's assistant or a teacher or a lawyer or a, a, a law enforcement officer, we'll go out and find these professionals, oh, yeah. match them for one-on-one -on -one mentorship. Yeah. Our cohorts are anywhere in size between 15 to 20 teens. And so there's also 15 to 20 mentors. And we provide the platform for mentorship to take place through personal development workshops. So the first eight months are personal development workshops, which includes um, Michael Mata's uh, community assessment. Uh, every year since 2013, yeah. he's been coming and facilitating that workshop. So looking at your community through the lens, yeah. uh, not through the deficit lens, but yeah. at asset lens. Yeah. All the resources are out there. How, how do we leverage those resources to um, address felt needs? Yes. And then we have Bank of America or U.S. Bank who comes and facilitates financial literacy. Uh, we also do uh, the Strength Finder assessment. Uh, developing resilience, understanding your own trauma, channeling that uh, towards um, uh, uh, towards something positive. And then uh, we also have uh, college campus tours of, of USC and Occidental. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember the rest, but those that during the first two thirds of the program, they're attending these workshops together with their mentors. Then the yeah. last third they develop a community impact project to address a felt need. So they have to take everything that they've learned, incorporate the profession of their mentor and uh, yeah. develop the project. Steve, let me ask you a quick question. Was it hard? I mean, as I talk, Korean American building bridges within, was that hard for you? Did it take a while to adjust to it for people to get to know you or for you, did it come naturally as well too? I, I love what Michael Mata talks about to really be able to exegete your campus, to exegete your city. Was that a natural thing for you as you start doing that? Absolutely. I, I feel like God prepared me for this. Um, growing up in a predominantly Asian American community in Diamond Bar slash Walnut, Hacienda Heights, Monterey Park. Uh, and then from there, um, uh, even in my incarceration, being surrounded with uh, Hispanics, African Americans, going to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, living there for two years, being surrounded predominantly by uh, white people. Uh, and so I, I, I've been exposed to uh, a bunch of different um, cultural contexts, and I have realized that I adapt well, yeah. uh, whatever the situation is. And so I, I believe each of those experiences has really prepared me to have uh, cultural humility uh, when I step into yeah. a setting that's not familiar to me. And so I obviously don't look like the people in Lincoln Heights and Highland Park. Uh, but the approach that I've taken was to just really learn uh, uh, with them to be a part of them, which included me moving into the community when I was doing ministry uh, in, in East LA or Northeast LA. Got it. And now, do you have family, kids, married? Yeah, I'm married. My wife's, uh, she she's an educator in Fontana, and I have yeah. uh, two beautiful sons. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. And the thing is, for me, a lot of times, not only being in L.A., but I, my role involves a lot in Indonesia and in Jakarta and Malaysia in Nairobi. I'm off to Cape Town and Johannesburg and Hong Kong. It is different that God is working in different places. Your job and my job a lot of times is to ask those questions, right? To really be able to say, OK, Lord, what is it that you're doing there? Because you've had a plan way before I even showed up. My job now is to honor and respect the culture and see how can I be part of the uh, of the plan that you have. You hit the nail right on the head. 
Yep, yep. Um, I think Sung Chan Ra says it best. Um, yeah, yeah. There's either, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, church plantations uh, when people, they have the intention to plant a church, but it, it turns out to be a plantation yeah. uh, rather than an actual church plant that is a makeup of the community yeah. and reflects the culture of the community. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think it's so important for ministers who, who go into uh, uh to into new settings to be aware of of what god is already doing there and to just join in 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 what god has been doing i love i mean dr soon chan ra is a wonderful i i learned a lot from ray baki back in the day before he passed and ray one time he brought me to lima peru and we walked the streets of Lima, Peru, and he kept reminding me, you got to listen. You got to ask questions. You got to build relationships, understand the culture, listen to what different things are saying to you, build that trust. I learned so much from a Ray Baki or a Sun Chan Ra or different people like that. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Youngnuck is a made, it's a, it's a, um, it's a mega church. It's huge uh, in Lincoln Heights. And there's like this huge Korean sign, right? Yes. Uh, and so there's this natural suspicion that takes place from the community. What's this Korean American church doing here? And so like, even with the ministry that I was a part of with cross trainers, um, when, uh, when the people from the community would uh, come into the, the church grounds, there, there was a, there was a look of suspicion from both ends, both from the Korean American community and from the the local community who was who was stepping in, in into the church, and so it, it took a lot of intentionality uh, on both parts to really uh, begin to listen, begin to listen and understand uh, the the perspectives and the experiences of the other. Uh, so that they're not going into uh, this this context, into this relationship as them being a, another person, but they're fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Steve, contrast that to a neighborhood I lived in, in Chinatown, Chicago. So right now you have Chicago Chinatown as a Chinese. Then a lot of times you have some of the areas that are, are African-American. And a lot of times, whether it's over in the Bronzeville or something like that. But the thing is, there's no relationships. There's no conversations. There is bitterness from both sides toward each other. One person feels like the other one's racist. The other one feels like you're bullying them. And so you just always are stuck in that bitterness. And no one ever proposes anything. And so as a result, no one ever reaches. And there's no relationships or partnerships ever built. 100%. Yep. So... Like, what are Benz's and Lexus's doing in this community? Like, right. just parked on Sundays, right? Or whenever there was like an evening service on uh, during the weekday. But the beauty of it was when both parts began to become intentional and began serving with each other and began seeing each other as children of God, it formed the most beautiful community. On right. Thursdays, we would have families from the community coming in, serving, preparing turkeys, the meals for the community as alongside with the yeah. Korean American uh, uh, churchgoers at, at, at Youngnuk and doing that consistently really began breaking down um, uh, the barriers. Yeah. 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 And so how did you end up going to the LA County of Health? Uh, because now here you are running a full-time program and here you are now working to solve homelessness with the LA County of Health here. Yeah. So after, uh, 
um, after my time at Youngnak, I, I went to uh, San Diego. I was serving at a church in City Heights uh, for a couple years, then came back to L.A., pastored a, a church in West Covina, and then I, I transitioned out. I, I wanted to uh, devote myself uh, full time uh, to uh, serving uh, the vulnerable population. And so at that time, uh, there was a position that that was uh, um open at, with the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority. They were looking for a community engagement uh, supervisor who had faith background. Uh, they wanted to start this faith initiative. And so uh, back in 2000, I believe 18, yeah, around 2018 I, or 19, I, I transitioned from full-time ministry to homeless services. Yeah. So that was where uh, the Faith Collaborative to End Homelessness was birthed. Ah, got it, got it, got it. So on a day-to-day -day basis, what are the, some of the things that you're working on? Even with the March 9th event, how did that come about? And the Olympics are coming up in, in a couple of years here. How does all your role encompass all the stuff that's going on in L.A.? Yeah, so um, so just to, to provide a, a bit of a, a background, um, Back in uh, 2017, so this was before I came to Lhasa, um, LA County's Homeless Initiative, uh, in partnership with LA Voice, they ho hosted a faith summit in 2017. Uh, and they wanted to present to faith leaders uh, the coordinated entry system and began creating, developing relationships. So at that faith summit, I, I believe around two to 300 faith leaders came. Uh, it was very successful. Lhasa was then appointed. Um, uh, as a lead to follow up and host listening sessions uh, within each service planning area with the faith leaders who attended. So that continued, but because of conflicting priorities, um, uh, that ball was dropped. Uh, I came in in 2018 or 19, uh, and they wanted me to kickstart that again, uh, the, 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 the faith initiative. And so one of the first things that I, I began doing was reaching out to different county agencies, elected offices, faith leaders, faith-based organizations. And a common theme that I learned during the first year of, of engagement was uh, the county offices, the elected offices, homeless service providers, they all have a desire to partner with faith-based organizations. Uh, they understand the important work that faith organizations are doing to serve uh, their homeless neighbor, uh, homeless neighbors. So uh, rather than working siloed, uh, we decided, why don't we come together, develop this collaborative, bring our ideas together and see what we can do. So we launched uh, the Faith Collaborative to End Homelessness. Initially, our work was to just continue listening to faith leaders and supporting them uh, in ways that we can uh, with uh, different ca capacity building opportunities. Um, uh, at that time, back in 2020, we had uh, the homeless deputy with Supervisor Hilda Solis's office uh, in our uh, faith collaborative. And she suggested, uh, why don't we get, why don't we ask Supervisor Solis if she would author a board motion for the county to to pass uh, or for the county to hire a faith consultant, because all of us were volunteers in this space with the Faith Collaborative. Why don't we see if they can provide funding so that we can hire a consultant so that they can do this work more extensively? That board motion was passed in January 2021. Uh, the Faith Collaborative to End Homelessness was tasked uh, to partner with LA County's Homeless Initiative in identifying the faith consultant. 
we identified them, which was uh, or which is Communities in Motion. Uh, they came on board and uh, they started their work in January 2022. So in January, in pretty much in all of January, uh, the Faith Consultant, uh, they did extensive outreach and surveys to faith organizations to better understand the work that faith leaders are doing. We have a lot of qualitative data, but we don't have quantitative data. If we want the county to uh, begin uh, concretely partnering with faith organizations, then we need concrete data of what exactly they're doing in the communities. And so they helped, they, helped, they conducted the faith surveys uh, all throughout 2022. And uh, upon the completion of gathering all the information, uh, we worked with Communities in Motion to develop recommendations to the Board of Supervisors based on the survey results. Uh, and to uh, recommend these are the ways that you can partner with uh, the faith faith organizations in your communities. And so that the recommendations are currently being reviewed by the, the county's board of supervisors. And the purpose of this faith summit is to invite all of the faith leaders who participated in the faith survey, as well as uh, other faith leaders who are uh, doing this important work of, of serving their unhoused neighbors and presenting the survey results as well as the recommendations and uh, it being an opportunity for us to receive additional input and to then uh, begin uh, uh, developing partnerships. Yeah, and in some sense, a lot of times you're hoping to achieve collective impact. I mean, that's been a popular term a lot of these places. And you you see a lot of these faith-based organizations, churches, all that. They have their local missions budgets. They're funding all these different things. But yet, at the same time, you realize, you know, you guys are funding the same thing and doing the same thing. But in some sense, you need that project manager, that outside voice to say, Hey, have you ever thought about doing this thing? Or why don't you work on this one? And this thing is you need that organization to bring everyone together or everyone's going to do their own thing or just have conversation after conversation after conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not that faith organizations all want to become government contracted. Yeah. Uh, the truth of it is the, a lot of them don't. Uh, they want to just continue in the work that they're doing. And that's completely fine. But the work that they're doing outside of L.A. County's homeless delivery system is still important. And the county needs to be aware of what that work is. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, when Project Room Key was launched uh, during uh, uh, the, the peak of COVID and, and the county was trying to bring in, uh, you know, people experiencing homelessness into the motel rooms, uh, there was this one particular site where uh, it was it was very um, it, it, I'm trying to think of a very nice word to describe it, <laughs> but it, it, it was it was challenging. It was a very challenging site. Um, and uh, the the challenges just continued. And so what we decided to do was just go around to each of the room uh, the rooms and simply ask them, what do you need? Very simple question, right? What do you need? The majority of them said, we want to hang out with other people. But because it was COVID, they, they just weren't able to, right? They, they either had to stay in their room or when they go out, they, they couldn't congregate. Um, and so uh, the, the, the common theme that we heard amongst the participants at that one particular site was that they essentially wanted human connection. 
And so what we did was we re reached out to one of the local uh, uh, to to LA's Union Rescue Mission, and we asked them, "Hey, would your chaplains be willing to come to this particular PRK site and provide care, uh, whether that's spiritual care or just being there for them?" Uh, and they agreed to do it, and that was so successful because after that it. The, the level of challenges that we experienced prior, it quickly diminished. So essentially what they were doing is they were calling out, they were crying out for a human connection. Yeah. And that is oftentimes what faith-based organizations are able to provide. Yeah, yeah. Um, presence. Yeah. And your suggestion, you figured out the root of the problem. Sometimes you need somebody outside looking in to understand the root of the problem. Sometimes a lot of times, hey, let's throw more money on it. They probably need more food. They probably need more. No, 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 no. Let's understand. Let's listen to what they say. Wow, they need a chaplain. Wait a minute. I could probably find someone there. Or maybe a lot of times we could partner with the church with people who are part of, who just want to do a counseling ministry. You start addressing some of the problems and solutions right there. Yep. Money itself won't solve the yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Money. It, you can throw as much money as you want with it. Uh, programs itself will not solve the problem. Yeah. Uh, housing itself will not solve the problem. Compassion yeah. itself will not solve the problem, which is what a lot of faith organizations yeah. come with. They have that willingness, the desire to want to serve. Right. But that in and of itself, we need to bring all of these things together. Government plays an important part. Homeless service providers play an important part. Faith-based organizations play an yeah, important yeah, part. Yeah. Once all three are able to collaborate, uh, what we believe at faith, the, the Faith Collaborative to End Homelessness is that homelessness will end. That yeah. is our goal. Each of our goals, the government's goal, the provider's goal, faith leader's goal. It is all of our goals to end homelessness. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, right. It's like what Tim Keller talks about this gospel ecosystem, right? you got to, no one person, no one pastor, no one church could do it alone. Social organizations has to work with schools, who has to work with marketplaces, who has to work with faith based, who has to work with uh, churches. When we begin to honor and respect each other and listen and really be able to see where everyone fits in, we start engaging and making uh, very, very impactful changes. 100%. 100%. Um, you know, the, I'll give you a perfect example of, of uh, the power of, of collaboration. Uh, there, there's a, a, a teen who came through Mentor for Change. He had a history of experiencing homelessness, extreme trauma uh, in his childhood. Um, um, but uh, with his family, Mentor for Change itself cannot, the program that we provide cannot pr bring, bring about the healing that's needed. Uh, for this one child, um, as as great as our program is, right, as great as the opportunity is to be mentored by a career professional for one year and, and to go through our program, receive college scholarship, there's there's so many other uh, parts uh, that are needed that's outside of Mentor for Change. And so what we did was uh, we partnered with uh, a local um, uh, homeless service uh, provider, faith-based, as well as a local church uh, to provide the wraparound service that is needed uh, for this individual and his family to bring about the healing that they desire. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so I, 
I, I think that's also true for, uh, you know, just homelessness, uh, the work that we're doing. Uh, one entity cannot solve it. Yeah. Uh, we, we need to be able to come together at the table, share, yeah. uh, talk about yeah. our ideas and, and find ways to align our yeah. services. And that's sometimes where I, I, I've dealt with the ministry world for a long time now, Steve. And I get a little frustrated sometimes with ministry and uh, organizations and churches. They just don't partner well because they'll sit there and say, Steve, you know what? God's calling me to be doing this. I'm laser focused on this. Understand. But God's calling someone else to do the same thing. Don't you want to pull your resources and play give and take and learn to uh, partner together to take all your resources and create something better? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and unfortunately, that's the case with a lot of churches. Um, uh, yeah, a, lo a lot of churches are inward looking. But I, you know, I, I, I have hope. I have hope, uh, especially with COVID. Uh, it brought to light uh, just uh, the willingness that faith ahead, organizations are, are willing to um, yeah. are their willingness to to step out uh, of their comfort uh, outside of their own churches and and to to serve the most vulnerable and we we saw that during COVID and and so I I do trust that and I do hope um, that more and more churches will will become more collaborative. Yeah. Uh, March 9th. Is it virtual? Is it in person, Steve? Where can people find more information about this? Yeah, it's uh, it's in person. Uh, it's at Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena. It's from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, we will have um, uh, breakfast will be served. We're expecting about uh, about 300 people. Uh, so uh, sign up as soon as you can. Oh, good. OK, yeah. so and anyone could come or is there a particular group that you would like for to come? Yeah, we're we're looking for uh, faith leaders who are either providing services uh, to their unhoused neighbors or uh, people, faith leaders who have uh, the desire to do it, but just don't know how to start. Got it. Random question. And just for my knowledge as well, too, with the Olympics coming, does it are, are there directions or things that you guys need to get accomplished or solved before the Olympics come? There's going to be a lot of movement uh, with with our unhoused neighbors. And so uh, hopefully we can find um, enough rooms and beds uh, to get uh, people housed. And so it just it, it just means ramping, ramping up the work that we're doing uh, to to bring people in and to provide them with the services that are needed to, yeah. to keep them stabilized and housed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. in some sense, Los Angeles becomes a showcase for a worldwide global event. So everyone, not just LA and the mayor and the governor, but the president, everyone's going to be focused on it. So they're going to want it to be a good showing, just like China, just like what happened, or more so in some, what didn't happen in Brazil as well too. They don't want to repeat those mistakes. Yes, yes. Uh, one thing I want to mention is uh, our, our three keynote speakers uh, at the event uh, are going to be um, Troy Vaughn. He's the executive director director of uh, uh, the LA Mission, uh, and um, uh, Brooke uh, from ECAR, uh, which is uh, a Jewish uh, nonprofit, and they've done a lot of uh, development, housing develop, affordable housing development, and then we also um, have uh, LifeArc. Uh, that will be coming. Uh, Paul Cho is, I believe, his name is, yeah, Paul Cho. He's the executive director, uh, and so 
it's going to be very informative, inspiring, and encouraging. Yeah, yeah, very good. Steve, thank you very much. I, I, the next time you and I chat, I want to talk to you about how you balance an organization and also with your work, all of that stuff, lessons that you learned. One of the things that I would love to hear a little bit is how did Uganda, how did even your relationship with your dad, all of that change and shape who you are? Because we're a culmination of everything that's happened to us good or bad, when we look back and said, those things were a struggle, but if it weren't those struggles, I wouldn't be where I am right now or who I am right now. Absolutely. And thanks be to God. Uh, God has shown me that it is not my father to blame. <laughs> I'm a man now. And uh, I've, I, I've all, God has always given me the choices to make, uh, even through the struggles that I've had. And so I, I, I've come to a place of just being able to surrender uh, um, those things and, and to receive healing from him. Uh, but yeah, I would love to take a deeper dive into just some of those things. I'd be more than happy to share. Looking forward to it. Steve, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for just spending some time with me and just sharing me a little bit about your journey and what you're up to. Actually, uh, thank you, Tommy. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Together LA listening tour. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Together LA channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with Together LA on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at www.togetherla.net. See you next time.